This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. A new report explores what is necessary in Ontario to build 1.5 million homes over the next decade. The report poses two questions. Is it feasible? And how can it be done? Dr. Mike Moffat is one of the authors of the report. He's the Senior Director of Policy at the Smart Prosperity Institute at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Moffat, thank you for making time for us today. We're grateful. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's start with where we are in the present. What is the current state of housing supply in Ontario? Well, we have a chronic shortage, and this has been an issue for a while. And it partly explains our high home prices as well as our high rents. Rents are continuing to rise faster than inflation. And although home prices have corrected, they've corrected because interest rates have gone up. So if you're buying a new home, you're not, it's not really any more affordable. Yes, you're paying a lower sticker price, but that's eaten up by uh, higher interest costs. So absolutely, in uh, southern Ontario, we have a housing shortage, and all three levels of government recognize that. So I think we've at least recognized the problem. Now we got to figure out how to fix it. Right. Now we need to figure out how we actually address it. So when we're looking at the goal that's been set out of 1.5 million new homes, in your research... Is that goal feasible? Well, it's going to be incredibly difficult. First of all, we our study finds that that is, in fact, the right goal. This kind of 1.5 million number came out of nowhere. It was a, a target set by a provincial task force. So we wanted to see whether or not this number even made sense. And our research found that it does, actually. It is a sort of accurate need of our uh an accurate assessment of our needs. How do we get there? It's going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, we need to change a lot on the regulatory side, you know, having municipalities allow for uh, building of more density, faster approvals, a lot of the things we've heard from the province. But as well, we have very large chronic labor shortages in the skilled trades. Uh, we have a lot of electricians and, and roofers and sheet metal workers like my, my father who are retired or close to retiring, we were already going to have enough trouble to replace them. Now we need to add a whole pile more to build not just the homes, but all the other infrastructure uh, we need. So this is going to be a big, big challenge. Right now we have a target, but we don't have much of a plan. So uh, there's going to be a lot of work for all levels of government to figure out how we address uh, the red tape issues, how we address the labor issues, the productivity issues, and so on. There's a lot of work to be done here. So so even if we're looking at that that decade, that 10-year goal, if we're talking about training new people in these trades, that could be two, three years of education. So it might already put us behind the eight ball there. So what are some strategic things that, whether it be government levels or even institutions like colleges, universities, what do they need to be doing right now, like in their policy rooms, to be putting people in place to start succeeding and getting this ball rolling? 
Absolutely. So the, the, the colleges play a huge uh, role here in an enrollment. Uh, you know, and then there's a whole apprenticeship uh, process that needs to happen. So, you know, we need to make sure that there are apprenticeship spots uh, for everyone. Immigration uh, plays a role as well, uh, that we have immigration programs to bring in uh, foreign workers with, uh, uh, with these skills. But we haven't done a great job of recruiting uh, international talent. So that's another area uh, we need to look at from a policy perspective. And another one is productivity. I don't think it's realistic for us to double the number of people in skilled trades to double the number of people in housing. We're going to have to look at how we can build housing uh, more productively. So mm -hmm. that's looking at changes to the building code to allow new materials, to allow you know mass timber construction, a lot of you know really kind of wonky areas that, but, that are particularly important. Because yeah, we can't just keep doing what we're doing, but double it. We're going to have to get creative with some solutions. Dr. Moffat, you'd mentioned density before as well. How much is that going to be the key to unlocking certain places in certain areas around the province in terms of maybe building more triplexes, quadplexes, mm -hmm. uh, even like larger condos, right? Three, four bedroom condos instead of just thinking one bedroom, one bedroom, one bedroom and the occasional two bedroom. How much is density going to play into this? And do you think there's an appetite for cities and the province to do that? It, it's going to play an absolutely vital role uh, because many of the places where uh, demand is highest is in areas where, where they're running out of greenfield land. So one of the interesting things uh, from our report is we find over the next 10 years that Peel region actually needs more houses than the city of Toronto, mm. uh, simply because it's got so many 20-somethings who live there. And that's kind of the, the future of your market. So, so absolutely, we need to be building more density. But you're also right that that is, that is a political issue that uh, we all kind of like density in theory. But you know, once it gets sort of proposed for your neighborhood, there are you will always have neighbors who say, No, you know what, our neighborhoods find the way it is. We don't need those, uh, those duplexes or triplexes or, you know, missing middle type pr property. So this is going to be a challenge for both the provincial government and municipal governments to build that needed density or allow for that need a density to be built while at the same time responding uh, to to the needs and the the opinions of uh, of the people who live in the community. Dr. Moffat, you mentioned Peel Region, and I think anybody who's taken a spin down the 401 <laughs> lately would know that there's a huge, huge amount of people living out there already. Where are some other parts of the province where we need significant surges in the amount of homes built? So the, the the two biggest ones are uh, are Toronto and Ottawa. No no question, the GTA and Ottawa. But what happens is you get this sort of spillover demand. So you look at across southwestern Ontario, uh, you know, even places like Tilsonburg. We all think of Tilsonburg, the the Stomp and Tom song, uh, you know, as being this sort of uh, rural area with tobacco. It's actually one of the fastest growing communities in Ontario uh, because it has so many people moving in from the GTA. A home in Tilsonburg costs more. Than, than a house in, in Calgary or Winnipeg right now. So, you know, this ends up spreading all across Southern Ontario that outside of basically Northern Ontario, there's no part of the province that, that isn't uh, suffering from, from some level of uh, housing shortage. I, I want to talk about something that uh, the Premier of Quebec mentioned in a press conference last Friday, where he said the pandemic is what slowed us down. That's why we have housing shortages. We just haven't been able to get enough workers onto job sites because of lockdowns. What do you make of that assertion that some politicians are making? 
Yeah, so so that certainly happened, and and we found we looked at other provinces, and we found that that Quebec actually doesn't suffer from the same level of housing shortage as Ontario. So I think from a, a Quebec perspective, that that is, uh, you know, I think that is a fair assessment. And that did happen in Ontario, and it's part of our concern that over the next six to eighteen months, you know, we need a lot more housing, but at the same time, we're seeing developers and home builders pull back a little bit because you know lumber prices are still very expensive, interest rates are going up, and these uh, these, these developers and home builders have to finance all of these projects. So our our housing starts are going in the wrong direction. They're actually going down mm. at a time when they need to, to increase. So that makes it an even bigger challenge than it otherwise would be. Because our network oftentimes likes to apply the disability lens to these stories, we know housing and disability and accessibility do intersect. I'm curious if your research had any examined any implications in regards to accessible housing. Uh, we haven't yet, uh, though that is that is on our list. I have a, a seven-year-old uh, with uh, severe nonverbal autism. You know, he is going to need accessible housing when he's older. So this is a very personal uh, issue for me. So absolutely, it's not a matter of just getting 1.5 million units, but, but are they accessible? A big part of the research we do here at Smart Prosperity is environmental. So can we build that many homes without building too much sprawl or or, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, having too much emissions actually coming from the building or transportation itself. So there's all of these other issues that, that we need to absolutely understand. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a raw number. You know, we have to make sure that these, these homes are accessible and affordable and environmentally friendly. Mm. Dr. Moffat, I saw you posting about the report on social media all week long. I know you've been doing a lot of media coverage as well. Where can people go to get their hands on this report? Because it's a really important one. And I think you even though it's Ontario for- focused, it certainly has national implications. Oh, oh, a- absolutely. Uh, so the report can be found at institute.smartprosperity.ca. The, the report is Ontario focused, but as you point out, these issues are across the country, uh, particularly in British Columbia as, as well. So it's a very uh, it, it's a very easy uh, easy read. It's mostly mostly about the numbers. So I, I highly recommend uh, people check it out. And you can see for those of you who are in Ontario. Ontario, what the numbers are for, for your community. Dr. Moffat, we're so thankful for you uh, coming on the show today and unpacking this a little bit. Hopefully we get a chance to connect again, the, again down the road because you and your colleagues do excellent work. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.